0: father boldness to this man amen. fill him with your spirit fill him with your confidence bless him lord fill him with your word and fill him with the knowledge that there is power in the gospel amen. in jesus name amen amen, amen. thank you i'm wired with sound so I'll switch myself. On the right thing way. there oh. That worked. Okay. Uh, speakers before with these long passages from Matthew, which are fantastic to read, but they're so full of stuff. I know John has said before, how can you possibly do justice to everything that's in that passage? And I'm, I'm not even going to attempt it. I'm going to look at a small part of it. This, this most important question in the world, who is Jesus. And I'm going to start with a little story, which is always a risk because I'm not good at telling stories. But this story makes me laugh. Um, Nikki Gumbel used this story, oh, it must be 20 years ago, uh, in the early days of the, of the Alpha course. And uh, it's relevant this morning and it makes me smile. I don't even know if it's true. It doesn't matter. There was a lady who was a missionary working in the Middle East. And uh, she was driving her Jeep, and she ran out of fuel quite a distance away from a garage. And she looked around in the car to see if she'd got a petrol can, a fuel can, to go and get some fuel. She hadn't got one. The only thing she could find in the car to uh, carry fuel in was a baby's potty. she worked with children. she carried a baby's potty in the, in the car. So she set off, and she walked a mile to the garage. And she carefully... Filled this potty with petrol. You wouldn't be allowed to do it in this country, would you? <laughs> she carried it carefully back to the, to the Jeep, undid the cap, and delicately poured this petrol from the children's potty into the, into the fuel tank of the Jeep. Now, as she was doing this, a very expensive car came by, and in the car were two wealthy oil shakes. And they were just mystified by what she was doing. They slowed down, and they drew to a stop, and they wound down the window. And one of them said to her, said, Madam, he said, we don't share your religion, but we have to admire your faith. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes when we do things or we say things uh, that reflect our faith, we can look... Or sound silly and you know it doesn't matter Tuppence. wherever you are if you speak of Jesus it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what people think of us how silly we are what really matters is what people see of Jesus and so many times through Alpha and on other occasions people have said to me I wish I had your faith I wish I could believe like you do and, uh, and I'd, I'll say something more about this a little bit later on. But I say, no, it's not about me at all. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the one who we can trust. When Linda read that verse to us from 1 Peter, uh, a little earlier in the, surfe- in the service, um, Peter encourages us always to be ready to give an answer. But Jesus says, don't worry about it, because I will give you the words to speak. Sue Fenson was our speaker last week and uh, she kind of set the scene for me really this morning in saying that this chapter in Matthew is a turning point in the whole book. It's a turning point in the story that unfolds. Up to this point, people have watched Jesus. They've seen him do amazing things. They've seen him say, heard him rather, say the most amazing things. But this is the first time that the question of who Jesus is and why he's come really comes to surface. Um, It's clear that the leaders were already, the the religious leaders were already really concerned about Jesus in the previous chapter. Um, They came to him and said, give us a sign, as if they hadn't seen enough already as evidence of who Jesus is. He said, they said to him, give us a sign. What they were really asking, for was, was proof. Give us proof of who you are. Maybe if they had been on the Mount of Transfiguration that we read later in the chapter uh, and, and seen Jesus in his glory, that would have been the proof, the evidence that they were looking for. But really Jesus says to them, it's not about... Proof. He said, I'm not about proof. You've seen the signs. Have faith. So we come to this question. Jesus has been performing miracles. People are asking him for a sign. People are wondering who he is. People are starting to say that perhaps he is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. So Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, Who do people say that I am? It wasn't unusual at all in those times when somebody was a prominent figure who was a preacher or a teacher or a prophet for people to want to identify them with somebody in history. Is this Moses? Is this Elijah? Is this Elisha? Is this Jeremiah? So it's not surprising that Peter might have replied in the way that he did. He said, some people say, you're John the Baptist. Some people say... Uh, you're Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Perhaps like those people in the street with a microphone thrust in front of them, the disciples were a bit, oh, you know, what do we say? What do we say? But as often happens, Peter was the one who was bold enough to speak out. And he says what's on his heart. He says what his heart tells him. He says, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by man, but revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. You know, in when we do Alpha, um, Nicky Gumbel and the others who present the Alpha course take you through all of the historical evidence for who Jesus was. And one of the things that they say there is that no reasonable person, historian or not, would doubt that Jesus was a real person. He was a historical figure. He was flesh and blood uh, like us. He's not some imaginary figure. He's not some fable or tale. He was a real person who did real physical things. Yet he was the most remarkable person. He could draw thousands to hear uh, what he was saying, to see the things that he was doing. They came from all over the place to see him. Now those who were in authority saw those things happen, and yet instead of bringing them enthusiasm, it brought them fear. What were they afraid of? What was it caused them to fear Jesus? I think anybody who um, sees somebody with crowds following them can see that as a potential threat to their own authority. And I think that would have been true for the Roman authorities and for the religious leaders. But really, it was Jesus' claim to be the Messiah, the Son of God, that was the critical point that really, really, upset people. To the Romans, this was a threat to stability in the country. This was the threat to their control, to their military occupation, because the Jewish people believed that when the Messiah come, he would rescue them from the, their, the people that they saw to be their oppressors. For the religious leaders, it was rather different. Jesus threatened to undermine their authority and their power in the community. Now, people have said all sorts of things about Jesus. The religious leaders wanted Jesus to say to them very plainly who he was. But he doesn't quite work like that. People say, some people say, that Jesus never made that direct claim to be the Messiah. When the religious leaders asked him, he didn't say directly, yes, who I am. One occasion, perhaps. And that more often than not, he would kind of sidestep that question. Or, as we read today, he would instruct his followers, his disciples, not to speak about it. Keep quiet about it. I don't want people talking about this. But when Peter presented to him that belief, he didn't correct Peter and say, no, Peter, you're wrong. I'm not the Messiah. He said, only Father could have revealed that to you. In other words, he was saying, yes, you're right to Peter. Some people might say that Jesus, in believing that he was the Messiah, just saw himself as a great prophet or teacher, and not as the Son of God. But that doesn't stand up to scrutiny. When Jesus was questioned very directly at his trial about this, he said, yes, it is as you say. When he was asked if he's the Messiah, yes, he said, It is as you say, that's in Matthew chapter 26. And when he said it, the high priest tore his clothes and said, this man has spoken blasphemy. That's absolutely plain. Jesus could have said at that point, no, you've got it wrong. I'm just a prophet. I'm just a teacher. He didn't. He said, yes, it is as you say. Some people might say that that doesn't even suggest that Jesus believed he was God. We believe that Jesus is God. We worship Jesus as uh, part of the Trinity. Some people say that Jesus didn't believe that he was God. He thought he was a God, perhaps. Roman emperors at the time claimed to be gods. But to suggest that Jesus might have thought that is just ridiculous. It doesn't make sense at all. Jesus was brought up in the Jewish tradition where there was only one God and to suggest that there were more gods was completely wrong. It was completely alien to their faith and if you have any doubt about that at all read John chapter 14 verses 22 to 33. I haven't got time to read that uh, in the, as part of the service this morning but go and have a look at that The religious leaders there asked Jesus whether he was the Christ. And he said to them, I and the Father are one. And if there was any mistake about what he was saying, when they picked up stones to throw at him, to kill him, they said, it's because you, Jesus, a mere man, claim to be God. Again, another opportunity for Jesus to say, no, you've got that wrong. He didn't. And finally there, some people say that Jesus may have been honestly mistaken. He might have acted or spoken in good faith. But that's far from possible. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, um, looked at the Christian faith, looked at Jesus and who he was, spent years of study looking into that, and came to the conclusion that Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be. And in his book, Mere Christianity, this is what he says about Jesus. It's just a snippet. He said, it's impossible that God could have been Sorry, it's impossible that Jesus could have claimed to be God and be a great moral teacher at the same time. It's impossible. His words were he would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil in hell. It's impossible. Jesus could not have claimed to be God unless he was. Bono, who's the lead singer of with you too, um, He's done a number of interviews about his own faith in Jesus, and one of the things he said was, um, "So what's left? what we're left with is either that Christ is who he said he was, or else he was a complete nutcase. I'm not joking here. the idea that the entire course of civilization for over half the globe, could have its fate changed and turned upside down by a nutcase, for me, that's really far-fetched. The only conclusion that any reasonable person can come to, if they look at the evidence, if they look at what Jesus did, if they look at what Jesus said, the only conclusion that they could come to is that Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah. He is who he said he is. If we needed further evidence, Jesus showed it in his resurrection. When the religious leaders said, give us a sign of who you are, that would be the ultimate sign that Jesus rose from the dead. If you want to explore those things more, come to an Alpha course. Come and do it again. It's no better thing that I've found to reinforce my confidence and belief that Jesus is the Son of God and my personal saviour, the Alpha Course helps me to that. I read a few weeks ago about somebody I'd not heard about before, somebody called C.E.M. Jode. You may have heard of him. He was a contemporary of George Bernard Shaw. He died the year after I was born in 1953. But he was held with sort of similar to esteem to George Bernard Shaw as being a great intellectual, a great mind of his generation. He was a philosopher and a professor at London University. And uh, he was taking part in a radio programme, a BBC radio programme called Brains Trust. If you haven't heard it, you may have heard of it. The idea of Brains Trust was the BBC took the most intelligent Uh, wise people that they could find and they put them on a panel and the listeners to the programme could um, give them any question they wanted and the panel members didn't have any forewarning of what the questions would be but they had to respond there and then. And C.E.M. Jode, who was not a Christian, he'd spent all his life struggling to understand whether Christianity was true or not and as a philosopher had decided that it was not true he said this, uh, he was asked this rather, Um, if you could meet any person from the past and ask them one question, who would you meet and what question would you ask? And Professor Jode gave this answer without any hesitation. He said, I would meet Jesus Christ and ask him the most important question in the world, did you or did you not rise from the dead? That's from somebody who's not a believer. Somewhere in the 1940s, I don't have the date. What I do know is that a day came later on when Professor Jode reviewed the evidence and decided that it was true. And he encountered Jesus for himself. And the year before he died, 1952, the year I was born, he published a book called Recovery of Belief, and in that book he said if Jesus Christ is risen from the dead this changes everything. That's what I came to as an 18 year old not believing in God not believing in Jesus thinking I was cleverer than the other, how stupid could I have been. But as an 18 year old I came to understand that Jesus was God and more than that He was my personal saviour and he wanted to be my friend. It changed everything. My life was different afterwards from before and that is the story of everyone who puts their trust in Jesus as their personal saviour. It's transforming. The resurrection means that Jesus Christ is present now and continues. And Jesus says, I am with you always. C.S. Lewis again said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. That's the experience when you come to Jesus. Up until that point, your brain is full of questions and you're searching for answers and you don't know the truth. When you've met Jesus, everything falls into place. It makes sense. This is who I am. This is who God is. This is the person that God wanted me to be. I'm coming towards the end, but I just want to talk about proof. Because earlier on, I said that the religious leaders were wanting proof. And so often, in my experience of talking to people about Jesus, people ask me, what is the proof? And it's often prefixed with one of two words, either but or if. They say, but, what do you say to that? Or they say, if Jesus is real, then this happened and then I'll believe. But or an if. I said earlier on, people have often said to me, they wished I had, they wished they had my faith, but they can't believe themselves. The truth is, like everybody else, I have times when I doubt things. I'm not absolutely sure all the time. I wouldn't be honest with you if I said I have never doubted since the day I gave my life to Jesus. There have been times of doubt. There have been times of turning away. There have been times of coming back. Doubts are a real part of our humanity. It's a natural thing for us to doubt or to question. But I've found that when I have a point of doubt... If I come to the Word of God, if I come to the Bible, then I find that my doubts are addressed. Just this last week, I was reading, I've put a marker in my Bible for it. I was reading Psalm 31. I love reading the Psalms. The Psalms just draw me into God's presence. I love them. Go back to them again and again. This is Psalm 31. It's one of David's Psalms. And as often with David's psalms, he's looking around him at all his enemies. And he's feeling afraid. And he's feeling doubt. And then he turns to God. I suppose for me, I don't have many enemies around me like David had. But I regard my doubts as my enemies. So when I read this psalm, I think about the doubts that spring up. The buts or the ifs. And then I come to verse 14, which says, but. It starts with but. The same as Linda's verse from 1 Peter started with but. This verse starts with but. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. And I find that such an encouraging verse. I'm going to read it again. I trust in you, O Lord. And I say, you are my God, my times are in your hands. We can all make that choice to trust God. Whether you've had the experience of putting your faith in God, your faith in Jesus for the first time, or you've not made that step yet, if you're still a but or an if person, you can come and make that point of trust saying no more buts, no more ifs, I will trust in God. And Jesus will transform your life. There are so many people in this room this morning who will give you testimony for the way that Jesus has changed their life. So I'm going to pray now as we come to a close. And uh, (laughs) I've said this before, when we go into the primary schools and do open the book Stories with the primary school children and I, I pray the prayer at the end and I say if you want to make this your prayer you say Amen at the end. So I'm going to pray a prayer and if you want to make this your prayer you say Amen with me at the end. Lord Jesus you are such a wonderful person. You have shown me who God is You have brought me into a relationship with your Father, with my Father. And I again put my trust in you as I do day by day. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I rest in you. My trust is in you as my Saviour and my Friend. And if you've never known what it is to trust Jesus as your personal saviour, you can come to him right now and you can pray that prayer and ask Jesus to forgive you for all your doubts and all the sin and all the wrong that's in the past in absolute confidence that he will forgive, he will accept you because he loves you that he will receive you, that he will be your friend and your saviour, that he will transform your life, that everything will change. So Lord Jesus, I come to you and I put my trust in you. You are my God. You are my saviour. Lord, receive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, change my life from this point forward. Heavenly Father, give me your Holy Spirit. Give me your Spirit who will lead me into all truth and all understanding. Lord, I put my trust in you. Amen.